Matthew chapter 6. We're in Matthew chapter 6 this morning. Thank you, PAC 3551. Did I say that right? Okay. Um, thank you for your gift. You really, I don't know what to say. I would never have expected breakfast and such a great morning. I've never been to one of these. Now I regret that. I can't wait for next year. Can we do it more than once a year? <laughs> Without the breakfast, it's just a blast. Love having you here. It's great. We're doing a series of messages on Sunday mornings called We Believe. It's about what we believe. And it's not just about what we believe, though. It's how are we going to live that out faithfully. And it starts with what we believe about God. And obviously, one of the key issues to what we believe about God is how to pray and worship. And that's what we're going to be in the next several weeks talking about what we believe specifically about God, his person, his work, how do we pray, how do we worship him. Today we're considering prayer. The Lord's Prayer. Some call it the disciples' prayer because it's what a disciple of Jesus prays and what he taught his disciples. You may know it as the Our Father, as I always knew it. This prayer I cannot imagine talking about we believe and describing what Christians believe without talking about this prayer. It, it teaches us a lot about what we believe and it also teaches us how to pray and we believe that we should pray as Jesus taught us. And it's very familiar. That can be good and that can be what? Bad. Because when we're familiar with something and used to something, it can easily just go right past us. Let's get past any white noise of the Lord's Prayer this morning. You know, white noise, it's on in the background, so you don't really hear it, but it calms you down, it keeps you focused. Let's not lose the Lord's Prayer and the fact that we're familiar with it, that we've heard it recited in a variety of settings. We want to hear it loud and clear. Amen. Here is what it says, this passage, and there's a little bit of an introduction to it here. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. That's pretty direct. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Why pray then? This then is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one.
Jesus does us a real service, doesn't he? Before he teaches us how to pray, he teaches us what? How not to pray, which helps me. So we're going to consider that real quickly in the verses up above the um, starting in verse 5, how not to pray. And if you're following along on an outline this morning, it's don't pray this way. First of all, he says hypocrites. Don't pray like hypocrites. Don't pray to impress others, in other words. Key phrase up in verses 5 and 6, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues on the street corners, and here's the key words, to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. He then goes on to tell us that we should go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. The key phrase, as I said, is to be seen by others. It's okay to pray. We've prayed several times in this service. Were we wrong to pray in front of others? Certainly not. It's very biblical to pray together. The problem isn't that we pray in public. It's if we're praying so that others will be impressed by us. That's the problem. How well we pray. Tim Morgan, you pray so eloquently. You pray so beautifully. Oh. Well, that's nice and that's good. As long as he's doing it from the heart and is not doing it to sound eloquent. And for us to think, what a spiritual man. And, if, and here Jesus says, go off and pray privately. He's not saying never pray with others again. He's saying this. If you find yourself thinking about how others are going to be impressed by your words when you pray, then go off and pray privately. And here's the test. Can you play, pray as passionately and effectively privately as you can when you've got another audience? If you've got other people, and if you have to have other people around in order to pray because you then have somebody to talk to, then we need to calibrate our hearts. Because we are supposed to be praying not to an audience of however many are here, but to an audience of how many? One. So if I find myself trying to impress others in prayer, go pray privately until you can pray with every bit of much, much passion as you can when you're trying to show off. That's why he says to do that. He says, and when we pray to show off, we're being hypocrites. Now, I, I, normally I'd just move on, but hypocrites, um, Christians get called hypocrites fairly often. Anybody ever been called a hypocrite? Anyone ever called someone else a hypocrite? <laughs> Anyone else ever been a crick hypocrite? <laughs> I think we could probably all raise our hands and feet to both. Well, sometimes we are. But a lot of the time, what happens is people see Christians that don't live up to what they believe, and they say, what a hypocrite. Wrong. A hypocrite is the word that means actor. Literally, it means an actor in a play. If I simply... I'm an imperfect Christian who doesn't live up to everything Jesus taught. I'm just like every other Christian. None of us are perfect. That's why we need Jesus to save us. A hypocrite is someone who's putting on a show. We call him a poser. And that's very important for us to realize the difference. Here at Maplewood, we're very conscious about being authentic. Authentic in our love for Jesus, first of all. We really want to serve him. 
but then authentic about who we are, our struggles, our sin, our imperfections. We're not perfect. If you're here with us for the first time, you've already realized that. That takes very little time and effort to figure out that we are not perfect. We're not going to pretend we are, but we desire to not be hypocrites. We're honest. We're, we need Jesus because we're flawed, we're sinful. So first of all, but don't pray to impress others. Don't try to make people think you're better than you are. Here's the second way not to pray. Pagans, he says, Jesus says, don't pray to impress God. When you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Um, Word pagan needs definition. It has a different definition now than it did then. When it was in Jesus' time, generally it was a person who was uncultured from the countryside. It was more geographical than religious. But, it, but Jewish and Christian people tended to think of pagans as people who were polytheistic. They believed in many gods in some pre-Christian religion. The Romans, who believed in many gods, thought that non-Roman believers, like, you know, they didn't believe in Jupiter and Zeus and all those gods, were pagans also, those hicks out in the hills those hicks that live in Ravenna and Garrettsville and all around there, you know, the the people from Beechwood think we're a bunch of pagans. But um, Christians, of course, thought, and Jewish people thought that the Romans were pagans because they believed in many gods. So it's it's just someone who believes in a a different type of religion. Uh, Today it has a different meaning. But here's the point. Do not keep on babbling like pagans. The reason why that's not good is they think they will be heard because of their many words. There's the key. Do not be like them, for their father, what you, your father knows what you need before you ask him. The idea is adding words, whether they're meaningful or not. Now, the word babbling, like pagans, is, is a single word called batalageo. Now, some of you who have been around Bible teaching know that lageo, lagos, word, message. So it's bata, message. Literally, it means talking like this. Bata, 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 bata. It's like barbarian. The Greek word for barbarian means someone who talks like this. Bar, 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 bar. And bata, lageo means you talk nonsense, you ramble, you babble. It's like an auction. Say it louder. Say it longer. Get more people to say it. And the gods will hear you. Otherwise, they might be asleep. Right? So that's why they would, you know, work yourself up and bada, 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 bada. Well, he says, don't be bada bada ba about this. And God already knows what you need. You don't need to get his attention. Now, um, I added a category to this that Jesus didn't specifically address. It's kind of a combination of the two, and that's Christendom. Don't pray to practice religion. Now, here's what this is. Let's be honest, it's been 2,000 years since Jesus taught this. There's a lot of history that's gone on. And we can't just ignore that and say, what's happened since then? 
In the last 2,000 years, there's been a great and tragic irony of history that this very model prayer of Jesus, the Our Father, which he gave to correct us from using mindless repetition in prayer, has been used to practice mindless repetition in prayer. When you think of mindless prayer repetition, you probably think of people just reciting this without thinking about it, right? Just go, go reciting it, reciting it, reciting it, saying it over and over. That's a terrible, tragic irony. So let's look at how Jesus does teach us to pray. This is how you should pray. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We'll stop right there. Your fa- our Father in heaven. By the way, God knows what you need already, right? Jesus just said that, so why should we pray then? Why pray if he already knows? Well, because God's not a vending machine. He's a person, a father. Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship with our father. So why do we pray to talk to our father? That's number one. And if that's all we got out of this, that's enough. Jesus says, don't treat God like someone who, I mean, you treat God like he's not as intelligent as you are. Bada, 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 bada. <laughs> Come on. He's your heavenly father. Come to him as a heavenly father. Don't just put your coins in and think that the Coke's going to drop down. That's not what God is. Okay? Now, it's okay to say the Lord's Prayer. As a matter of fact, it's great to say the Lord's Prayer. Um, but not mindlessly repeated or chanted like a magic incantation or something. In the, you know, and I, I believe that the Lord's Prayer is a pattern to pray. Not, you can use the exact words, you can use your own words, but there's a pattern. The reason I believe that, I think it's perfectly evident here, but even more so if you compare it to the version of this prayer that's in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, which is shorter. This is the long version of the Lord's Prayer, the more familiar one. In chapter 11 of Luke, there's another version that's shorter, but it uses the exact same pattern. Jesus uses far fewer words, but the same pattern. In other words, what we should do is pray this in sections. Our Father, and then talk to our Father. Hallowed be your name, and then praise him. Okay, you see, and you go through. Martin Luther's daily prayer time included, he was dogmatic about this, that every day a Christian should pray this prayer in their own words. Say it, then repeat it back to God in your own words, with your own heart and your own emotions and your own needs. And then Luther later wrote, a Christian who has, has prayed abundantly, who has rightly prayed the Lord's Prayer. Anybody here Lutheran? Okay, if you are, that's, that's great, but that, that Luther was a great example of prayer like this. He was a, he was a character, we must admit, but... <laughs> He certainly knew how to seek God. Here, here's how it works. Someone once asked their pastor how to grow in their prayer life. It was a person who'd been in church for a long time. They'd been in church all their life, basically. They recited the Lord's Prayer and did the prayers in church. They used the Lord's Prayer at home. 
but they just felt dry. Like, you know, I really don't know if I'm really praying. It's not very good. So they said, Pastor, how can I have a better prayer life? How can I come alive? And um, the pastor gave a very surprising answer. He said, um, he said, you should pray the Lord's Prayer. And she said, whoa, 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 that's the problem. The Lord's Prayer is not the solution. It's the problem. I say the Lord's Prayer with you every Sunday. I say it at home before bed. And pastor said, yeah, but how long does it take you? About 25 seconds. I timed it. The pastor said, try praying the Lord's Prayer for three minutes. She said, three minutes? How slow can I possibly talk? How slow can I say it? He said, no, 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 no. Don't just recite it. Say it phrase by phrase and talk to God about each phrase before going on to the next. Get as far as you can. Sometimes we don't even get all the way through it, right? That's okay. So she went home and did that. Said, came back and said, Pastor, I did what you suggested. I, prayed, I tried to pray the Lord's Prayer for three minutes. It took way longer, and I've had a great week. I've had the best prayer I've ever had by taking the Lord's Prayer, saying it, then praying it to him. The beauty of the Lord's Prayer is this. You can, if you have three minutes, you can pray it in three minutes. If you have three hours, you can pray for three hours. Sometimes you can only get through part of it. Sometimes you can only manage to recite it with sincerity. Haven't you been there where you just like grit your teeth in a time of stress and agony and just say these beautiful words and I mean it, but I'm not, you know what I mean. Or in a stressful instant, you just say, Father, I need help. And you're really praying the Lord's Prayer, although you may not be following the entire so I'm going to talk you through how this works very quickly, and then we'll focus just for a few minutes on what it means to pray our Father. Okay? Here's a pattern. Here's how you should pray. The first thing we do is I reaffirm my relationship with God. I'm going right through the outline. Our Father in heaven. Reaffirm our relationship with God. Am I a child of God? How close am I to my Father? Would be some kind of questions you might want to ask. We worship, then worship our Heavenly Father. Hallowed be your name. Name stands for person. Father, hallowed should... And what's hallowed, by the way? Does it mean you take a shovel and dig out the insides? No, that's hollow. Is it like the kid who came out of Sunday school and said, what did you learn today? I learned that God's name is Harold. God's name is Harold? What do you mean? We learned, Harold be thy name. Hallowed means greatest, most holy, most perfect, ultimate. Hallowed be your name. We sang that song, Your Great Name. Some people, what they do is when they pray, they sing, and that would be a great song to sing, Your Great Name, the song we sang this morning, if that, because it does exactly what this says, Hallowed be your name. Thirdly, we offer myself, I offer myself to our Heavenly Father. So say, thy kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I say, what that's, what that's saying is, Lord, you're the king. I want your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. I offer myself to make that happen. Not, to be, not my kingdom, your kingdom. 
Not my will, your will. By the way, there is the little nuance here that in order to say your kingdom come, we have to say what? My kingdom go. Your will be done. My will become negotiable or put aside entirely. That's where it gets hard, isn't it? Next thing we do is we acknowledge my dependence on our heavenly father. Give us today our daily bread. Everything comes from him. Then we receive our heavenly father's forgiveness. Forgive us our debts. We need to either be forgiven by him for the first time or we renew our forgiveness through Jesus. We say, yeah, I'm, I still keep sinning. I need to be forgiven. I need to be cleansed by Jesus' blood. Then we extend our heavenly father's forgiveness to others. Forgiven people forgive others, right? Forgiven people forgive people. That's how we live out our forgiveness. And then we plead our Heavenly Father's protection from sin and evil. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Going to face a lot of things this week. There's a lot of bad stuff out there. There's a lot of bad stuff in my heart. Help, Lord. Deliver me from the evil and from the evil one, as it says in the NIV, and that's a valid way to see that. Who is the evil one? It is Satan, and that's a, he's a real person, and Jesus definitely believed in him. Jesus talked to him. He says, we need to be kept safe by our Father, or else we can be very vulnerable to spiritual attack and sin. Now, here's what I want to ask you to do. This week, try praying like this. If you're a praying person and a believer... Pray like this. If you're not, you say, well, this message isn't for me now because I'm not a praying person. I don't really pay much attention to Jesus or God or I'm sort of halfway there or maybe you don't have anything to do with God. Um, Try praying the Lord's Prayer. One of the greatest things we can do is to say, you know, God, I don't know you, but if you're there, please show me that you're there. Please help me to know you. And what better way than to pray as Jesus commanded us to pray and say, I'm going to pray this this prayer and see what happens. I'm going to seek you, God. I'm going to pray for you to meet me here because God meets us in prayer. God will meet us in this prayer. In fact, when Jesus followed up on this prayer in the Gospel of Luke, he's talked about it being evidence that we're asking God to give us the Holy Spirit. And God the Spirit comes upon us when we pray these words, and he'll talk to us, he'll give us direction and relationship with God. I want to challenge us, let's do this. Try it. The way to find God is to look for him. Now, ultimately, of course, God finds us. But we experience it in a way that we put ourselves out there to find him. Do it. See what happens. I did it, and look where I am. You think I ever thought I'd be here? When I was, when I was, I'm from Maple Heights. I'm from here, and I never would have thought that I'd be a preacher. I wasn't even a Christian until I was a young adult, and here I am. 
Now let's talk just for a second about Father, the Christian name for God, because I think this is the key. And in our doctrinal statement, it says, we believe in God the Father, one in nature, distinct in person from the Son and Spirit, and being reconciled with the Father is the outcome of the gospel. We are following our doctrinal statement, we believe, we believe in one God, in God the Father, and we're going to just talk about this for a few minutes here. The best way to learn about God the Father is probably through this prayer, I would imagine. But what? It, it, first, so first of all, on the back of your outline, the Father, we're reaffirming our relationship with God. We're doing the first part of this prayer, our Father in heaven. Father is the Christian name for God. We belong to God. We are his children in a special way. It says in John 1.18, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God and has the closest relationship to the Father has made him known. Jesus came to make his Father known. This is extraordinarily significant. Jesus um, came to make his Father known and to bring us into relationship with his Heavenly Father. J.I. Packer was a great he was a theologian, but when I read this, you'll see that don't be intimidated by that. He wrote great. And here's what he said about this. He said, you sum up the whole of the New Testament if you describe it as knowing God as one's heavenly father through Jesus and the Holy Spirit. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being a child of God and having God as his father. That will tell you whether he understands Christianity well at all because Father is the Christian name for God. I got that phrase from him. Jesus came to bring us into relationship with his Father. By the way, the Gospel of John study that Mr. Whitmer talk, talked about, talks, Jesus talks about his Father all through the Gospel of John. He says, I never do anything apart from what the Father tells me. And then he tells us many times that we can know the Father also. This was radical when Jesus said it. We're used to it. Remember the white noise? The whole Lord's Prayer, we're used to it, the Our Father. So let's just like, how about this? We're all going to take our ears off. Okay, take your ears off, everybody. That's it. Yeah, see, I know you don't have any ears. What are you going to do? Put them back on. Put on new ears. Okay, we're going to get new ears. And, okay. We're not going to hear this as white noise, Our Father. We're going to hear it like, they heard it when Jesus taught it. And how would you respond if you heard it when Jesus taught it? What? Father? Who talks to God like that? Who knows God that way? Jesus, you have flipped. Now, Old Testament Jews did know God and Father in some way. They had a concept of God. There's analogies in the Old Testament of God as acting like a father. But it was more like George Washington is the father of our country. Anybody here know George Washington? Uh-oh, we're in trouble. They knew, these two know George Washington. What's he like? What's his voice sound like? <laughs> Does he really have wooden teeth? <laughs> yeah. Wow. 
He never chopped down a cherry tree. Wow. So your grandfather actually saw about a gravestone of one of George Washington's bodyguards. So you almost know him. He obviously had bodyguards, yeah. Yeah, what else do you know about him? Yeah. And you know the funny part about the chopping down of the cherry tree, which didn't really happen? It was a myth. George Washington led one of the most elaborate, deceptive spirings that's ever existed. He wasn't all that honest. Right? (laughs) his, His game was deception. He never wore a wig. Wow, these guys are great. Let me ask you a question before we go on, because I know you don't want to sit here all day, but this is getting to be fun. Can I join scouts? I need to learn these things. I mean, wow. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I'm, I am like beyond impressed and learning. Wow. These are people to hang out with. And you know, the truth is, of course, none of us know George Washington. George Washington doesn't talk to us. We don't talk to him. I hope you don't. Maybe if you guys know him, maybe you talk to him, right? Okay. But but you're not likely to hear from him. It's just, he's the father of our country, but that's how they saw God as the father of Israel. Jesus had a radically different concept that says God can be like your father that you know. And as we go on, father, next category, represents authority and intimacy. God is our father. We must obey him. But God is also, well, look at what it says in the Bible in the book of Romans. On your outline. Intimacy. What's intimacy? You'd be close to somebody, right? Those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. God is therefore our, if we're his children, he's our father. Right, good. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive, the Holy Spirit, brought about your adoption to sonship. So God's our father. By him we cry, Abba, Father. You know what that sounds like? You know what that, that word Abba is? Daddy. So God is our father, and we say, hallowed be your name. We worship, but we also talk to God privately, personally. He loves us as a father, as a daddy. Anybody ever talk to God? Some people talk to God. They call him Abba or they call him Daddy. I don't know, I've, but how many of you, yeah, when you talk to your dad, you're familiar, but yet you're respectful, right? You better be, or there's a price to pay. Consequences, correct. I, boy, I really need to be a scout. <laughs> but you're not, a, you don't like, if you, want, if you want ice cream when you're passing Dairy Queen, how many want ice cream every time they pass Dairy Me too, I just can't, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, see, <laughs> there's no... But you don't, you don't say, oh, thou exalted father of the heavens, thou would please grant us me the gift of some dairy queen. 
Yes, yeah. He'd say, what are you talking about? Yeah, right. Nor would you say, hey, old man, get me ice cream. You jump out of the car before he grabs you, okay, when you do that. That's, you say, daddy, can I have ice cream, please? And guess what? That's the way you talk to your dad, right? And when we pray to our father, it's worship and it's intimacy together. Father's the perfect name for God because it includes all those things. <laughs> it was radical. When we're used to it, okay? Remember, we've got new ears. We're not just listening, saying, our father. Oh, yeah, I've heard that a thousand times. No, you haven't. You've got new ears. You just heard it for the first time a few minutes ago. Okay. All right. Let's close this up. Here's the question. I'm not getting through everything in the outline. That's not what matters. What does matter is this. I want you to think about praying this way this week. Praying to God as Father. Pray worshiping God. Hallowed be your name. Great are you. You're the best. You're my most important priority, Father. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You're the king. I insist to serve you. Your will is most important, not my will. Not what I want, but what you want. Jesus even said that. And if Jesus says it, how much more should we say it? Right? And so on and so on. But let's finish this up with a question that's, what do you think I'm going to ask you? Is God your father? Do you know God as your father? Because a lot of people will say, well, we're all children of God, right? Everybody, all people are children of God. Well, not exactly. Jesus said it this way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. And in the Gospel of John, you have this written on your outline. It says, to all who did receive him, Jesus... Those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor a husband's will, but born of God. It says those who receive and believe in Jesus become children of God. Have you believed and received Jesus? Here's what happens. We, we're all born into this world, but we're not anybody here perfect? Probably not. Do we mess up? Do we sin? <laughs> There's a perfect person. All right. We can be a hot mess or a cold mess or whatever, but some type of mess, a lukewarm mess. <laughs> or we can just live, you know, sort of average, but we're imperfect. We're sinful. We don't do everything God wants us to. We don't do everything our parents want us to. We don't ever do everything our kids need us to do. We get irresponsible. We mess up. Well, God is perfect, and in order to have a relationship with God because we are fallen people into sin, we need to be forgiven of our sin, and that's where Jesus comes in. That's why he said, pray, forgive us our debt as we forgive our debtors. Jesus died on the cross for us. How many know that? He died. Why did he die? For our sin. What does that mean? It means that God allowed Jesus to go on the cross, and he paid the penalty we deserve for our sin. Like if, you're, like if you did something really bad and your brother said, I'll, I'll take the blame for you. 
And you'd be like, wow. Well, Jesus took our blame. He took our sin. And what we need to do is trust that. We need to say, I believe in Jesus to take my sin. I can't do it myself. I can't do it by being good because I'll never make it. First of all, I'll keep messing up. And that's not the way it works. It says we're saved by grace through faith, by Jesus, not by good works. None of us can boast. Are you a child of God? Let's talk. Let's, let's bow our heads and we're going to pray and then we'll have a closing. We'll close out our service. If you, are you sure you're a child of God? Have you believed in Jesus? Have you believed that he will take your sin and take your punishment and make you a child of God? The Bible says clearly, when we believe in him, receive him as our savior, we are given the right to become children of God. Is there anybody here who wants to become a child of God and they're not sure that they are? Is there anybody here like that? I'm going to ask you if we would all just bow our heads, close our eyes, and I'd ask you to raise your hand if you're saying, I really want to be a child of God. And uh, that's really what I desire to be. I want to believe in Jesus. Is there anybody that says, I believe in Jesus? I want to be a child. Yeah, I I did see a hand go up, and I thank you for that. So... um, and as, as, as Mr. Warwick did in communion, he had us pray and receive Jesus. And I want to just say that that's the right thing to do. Pray, Jesus, I thank you for being the Savior. I have sinned. I need you to forgive me. I receive you as my Savior, and I ask you to forgive me and make me your child and help me now to live as your child. From this point on, I pray that I can have eternal life Because God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Amen.